Hello, hello, my let's keep it real people. Well, I don't care if you have kids or you don't have kids. You are going to want to listen to my next guest. Rebecca Rollins is freaking awesome. We mostly talk about the art of talking with children, the simple keys to nurturing kindness, creativity, and confidence in them. But within a few minutes, I was taking notes not to just apply to my teenager, but to everyone. I was actually laughing at one point and go, can I have a do-over with raising kids? Because if I would have known this back then, I really would have been jamming as a mom. She just laughed. But seriously, there's things you're like, wait, that seems so obvious. Why didn't I do it? She's amazing. She is a member of the Harvard faculty. So she's applying evidence-based tools and techniques to communicating more effectively. Love this, love this, love this. And before I go, big thank you for all of you sending me the most awesome clients, speaking engagements, supporting the podcast, and buying my books. You people are the bomb, and I'm truly grateful for it. Toodles! This is Let's Keep It Real with Sandy Joy Weston, your weekly dose of positivity with awesome stories and guests from all over the world. It's an opportunity to learn some great new things and expand your mind. We'll tackle topics from all areas of life. And as always with Sandy, the sky's the limit. Hello, hello, my let's keep it real people. Okay, I get it. I've asked you, what do you want to know more about? And you're like, Sandy, where is this person you keep telling us about? What do you want to know about? One of the big things you want to know about is communication, especially with your children. So back by popular demand, before I bring her on, let me tell you about Rebecca Rollins. She was on. You can also check it out if you go to my website, sandyjoyweston.com. We do have it on there. She was on, hey, I got something to say. But this is a little bit longer and in depth. Rebecca Rollin is the author of The Art of Talking with Children. She is a lecturer at the Harvard Graduate School of Education and serves on the faculty at Harvard Medical School. She is also an oral and written language specialist in the neurology department of Boston Children's Hospital. She's a little busy. As a nationally certified speech language pathologist, she has worked clinically with populations ranging from early childhood through high school and has provided teachers professional development. Welcome, Rebecca. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. All right. Before we get into it, I ask all my guests, if you could pick one word, good, bad, or ugly, whatever it is that best describes your past 30 days, what would that word be and why? I think I would say transitional um, because Lots of changes are happening in my life, my friends' lives, my kids' lives. Um, we're all moving from summer break to school. Uh, my daughter's starting a new school. And um, yeah, and so there's a lot of changes, a lot of things to start thinking about, planning, coping with. And so, yeah, I would say it's quite a transitional time. Okay. And tell us about your little journey. <laughs> we were talking a little bit beforehand about the fact transitional, but that you were on crutches and then you fractured your wrist. 
Yeah, so that was a whole a medical journey of my own and um, hasn't been such an easy time. But I think, um, yeah, something I've noticed actually, I've coped and I'm actually dictating things a lot and I'm still teaching and all that. So it actually hasn't stopped me as much as I might have thought. I, I somehow don't believe it would, Rebecca. Yeah. <laughs> still moving along. <laughs> <laughs> I'm envisioning you with the boo and a cast on your arm and you're still yeah. like going at it full speed. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so this is a big topic and I'm so glad you've written a book on it recently. And I know that this time I normally, you know, go and I get a lot of questions for you. And I thought I'm going to switch it up again. Guess what I did, Rebecca? I went to the kids. Nice. <laughs> I thought, you know, I got a lot of questions from the adults and we got some of them in last time. But I want to know what the kids have to say. And then I want your opinion on what their thoughts are. So can we start right out the gate? I would love to start with one of the kids' questions. That's great. I love it. Okay. All right. So I was cracking up because I learned, by the way, so much from kids, you know, and mm -hmm. the things that come out of their mouths, it's just unbelievable. All right. So I did have a group of kids over the house. Now, my son is 19, but I had my friend's younger kids. And I don't know, they're like 10 or 11, right? God forbid I said they were 10 and they're 11. All right. But the number one question they want to know from you and how can they change it up is, does it benefit our parents to say, do it because I told you so. Do it because I'm your parent. Because in their opinion... It's, there's got to be another way. And every single one of them said, when their parents say that, they hate it. Mm -hmm. Hate it. Hate it. Hate it. Hate it. <laughs> and I'm That's sure so we've all heard it now. That do it oh, because, yes. like, they, yeah. they don't know what else to say. Do it because I told you so. Do it because I'm your parent. You know? mm -hmm. So they want to know what you think of that. Yes, that's a great question. And actually, I've seen that being said. I've probably said that myself. I think, and especially, I think it comes often out of fatigue on the parent side. Because after a series of questions of, well, why? Well, why? Well, why? Finally, we get to, because I said so. That's kind of become sort of the, the foundation or the ground that we end up on. Uh, but at the same time, I agree with them. I understand why they hate it. Um, because, you know, they're really, it's a sort of a non-reason. It really doesn't help them understand anything. It doesn't really get them on board. It just kind of says, well, these are the roles. This is the way it is. It's kind of a, a not answer. Um, and so I definitely think there's other ways of answering whatever the question is um, that don't involve, well, because I said so. Um, and I think, you know, there's ways even of helping a child understand, like, well, what would it be? How would you feel, for example, Say a kid wants to stay out, you know, till midnight and it's way too late and, you know, um, the parent's going to be worried and the kid's not going to wake up well the next day and things like that. You know, uh, rather than just, well, you can't do it. You can't do that because I, I said you can't. Um, you know, even thinking to help the child start to develop some empathy for you as a parent, you know, so something like, mm. well, how would you feel if like you were the mom and you were dealing with this child who came home super grumpy, super exhausted, and spent the whole day um, in, in bed not wanting to do anything, and then really struggled to get ready for school on Monday. You know, that's not even, even if you care, you don't care, you know, yeah, as a mom, yeah. 
I feel really tired. This isn't fun for me. (laughs) So even from my perspective, um, so even that, even though that's kind of a playful and, you know, a little jokey way of doing it, um, even that kind of helps the child stretch a little and say, okay, well, even if I want to do it, you know, it might not be good for me and I might not care, but it's also not good for my parents. So (laughs) they might not totally get it, but at least that's more of an answer than just because I said so. You know, I was thinking of that, you know, because these kids are 10, 11, but I was thinking of the high school kids that I know. And sometimes you run out of your right. Like, I don't know how else to say this. I never thought that. And I'm in a hurry. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't I don't know how else to say it. So I, I love the way you did the switcheroo. I love that. <laughs> like, turn around. That, that's great. I think they're going to be really, really happy <laughs> with that answer. Okay. Let's get into the next big one. Big. couple of kids they were older. These kids were in high school. Their parents, they know, love them, but their style is yelling. They yell all the time at them Mm -hmm. and they don't feel it works. Now, two of them said they had older brother and sisters and they looked really happy (laughs) and they survived it. Yeah. (laughs) But all they hear from their parents is that's their style. Mm-hmm. And they yell all the time at them. And the one kid said it makes them scared. And maybe is that fear supposed to be it? Or is it they just don't know any other way? So there's a bunch of questions in there. So let's break it down to the first one. Is Besides, like you said, you just get exhausted. Is there a benefit of yelling to you, at your kids? So uh, unfortunately, I don't think there, I wouldn't say that there's, much benefit besides getting out your anger, but I think there are much healthier ways to get out your anger. (laughs) So, I mean, I definitely, I think expressing emotions is important. Expressing a range of emotions is important, but I think there's a lot of other ways that we can learn to do that that don't involve yelling Um, because I don't think yelling is very effective and it also creates a dynamic where kids are either, maybe they're scared Maybe they start to yell back too. There's this spiral that happens, you know, and then everyone's yelling at each other. Um, yeah. And it becomes really hard to be heard. You know, if you're not you're not yelling, then nobody's listening at some point. Um, yeah. And so I think if you can try to change the dynamic on your end, it can start to kind of pull that spiral back and make it so, you know, there isn't just this constant uh, need to yell almost to be heard at any point. Um, and I think even to talk with kids about, you know, what is it, what do you feel like when you hear the yelling? Why are you acting like that? Why are you yelling at me? You know, even to yeah. take a moment and reflect on that with them can start to break the spiral. And even if the kid's older, especially to talk about like, well, I'm getting really frustrated. That's why I end up yelling. I don't like that I'm yelling. Um, but how else could we make this happen? <laughs> so kind yeah. of helping them collaborate with you and saying like, I don't want to be yelling but I'm not really sure of how else to get my message across. So can we talk about a way that you could still, you know, do the thing, but have me not yell at you and <laughs> kind of like have that, that conversation. By the way, I just want you to know, I haven't done this in a while from kids' mouths and I'm liking this because these mm-hmm. are great questions from That's them. That's really you? great. I love that. It's so honest, which is yeah. wonderful. I love that. Okay, then let's unpack the other one. Is there a benefit? to parenting when you fear your parents. The one young man says he's scared. He's in high school, Mm -hmm. sophomore. He's scared to death of his dad. Scared to death. Yeah, and I mean, 
I know there are a range of people's beliefs on this, and you know, some people <laughs> just like, yours. Yeah, just but yours. Uh, but for me, and all all of the research I've seen really suggests that a relationship with your kids is a stronger relationship when you trust each other, when there's not Ooh. a fear based relationship, and so. Really, I fall very strongly on the side of, no, it's not good to have <laughs> kids fear you. Uh, it's good to have kids respect you. It's good for you to respect your kids. But that's a big difference from f- kids feeling scared. Um, so I do think if kids are feeling scared, that's a red flag that something in the relationship should change. Um, yeah. And it doesn't, yeah. you know, it's not to say, okay, it's horrible, it's not fixable, but it really isn't the way that we want to be interacting with kids. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> Rebecca, I love this style. <laughs> just, I'm just going to come out and say it. <laughs> yeah. they, and by the way, I did not tell Rebecca these questions ahead of time because people are saying they want it raw, they want it real. So we did not even <laughs> exactly. brief, did we, on what I was going to no. ask you. All right, let's keep it on with the kids before we... <laughs> sure. And you know, we're going to have... I know you have a student that's waiting for you soon, but we're going to probably have to bring you back on because this is That'd really be great. Good. Yeah. Okay. So this young lady says, how can I explain to my parents that... <laughs> Wait, this is great. That they should take more of an active, oh my God, this is one active interest in what my interests are and not expect, she's a, I think she's in eighth grade, good for her, and and not expect me to be a mini version of them. Mm. Oh my God. That's amazing. That's very insightful. I like that. Kids are best. Kids are the best. All right. So she wants, basically, she's asking, Rebecca, I don't, you know, want to, she doesn't play sports. So she, that's a whole letter, but she doesn't play sports and she Mm -hmm. really wants to play the violin and how can she explain, mm-hmm. you know, that they, she feels from what she's learned is that they should take an interest in what she's doing versus expect them to be like the whole family is athletic and she just mm-hmm. doesn't like it. Yes, yes. Yeah, I think that's a great question. And I do actually write about that in my book and give some tips, especially for parents who are struggling with that. Because so often as parents, we tend to project ourselves onto our kids and whether it's something that we like to do as kids or whether it's something we wished we had done as kids, you know, we sort of project that want or that need onto our kids. And it's really hard sometimes to think, okay, this kid doesn't want to fit that mold or they don't fit that mold. Um, and so I think one of the first things is to really, as parents, reflect. If you see your child pushing back against, you know, an activity or really wanting an activity that you're not emphasizing, you know, reflect on why you're pushing them in a certain direction. You know, is it because you think they actually might like it? Or is it because of your own background kind of getting in the way? And it can be really hard. Sometimes we need to close that chapter Mm. for ourselves and feel like, okay, I didn't become a super athlete, but that doesn't mean I should force my child to become a super athlete or something like that, you know? Um, So to recognize that we might need to go through kind of a mourning or grieving process for our own lost opportunities in some ways. um, So we can see what our children actually want and need to do. You're, you know, you're making um, so many fond memories. My, 
my son wanted to try all the sports, right? He actually, you know, because, you know, he loved what dad did and he wanted to do it all. And so we let him try everything. And he ended up realizing he's not competitive. He doesn't want that. And so he goes, mom, do you care? I'm really, you know, I really found out for myself. I didn't like that. I go, the only thing I care about for mental health and physical health is your move. And so, you know what he does all the time? We have mini trampolines in our house. And he goes, is this movement? I said, I'm good. Oh, wow. That's awesome. And so he found something that works for him. Mm-hmm. You know, That's jumping wonderful. on the trampoline. Exactly. You know, That's actually but, known to be a good activity, a good exercise. It's very low impact. And, you yeah. know, so. <laughs> and he just has a ball on it. But I do think it it is hard when, you know, you're so passionate as a parent about something, you think, oh, God, wouldn't it be great if we had this bond with your kid? Mm-hmm. And so it's difficult when you don't. Don't you think? Like if you're really into sports, you want to be able to relate and bond. And it, I think it's hard to, especially, you know, I hear fathers tell me all the time, well, then what do I talk to him about? Right, right. No, for sure. And I do think that's hard. I think sometimes it's a process of seeing, you know, well, checking in with your child. Like, is it that you don't like this aspect of it or is it that you really don't fundamentally want to be doing this? Um, I think another thing, though, is to realize that when kids are passionate about something, even if it's not your thing, um, you know, you can actually have a lot of fun exploring what their interests are. You know, yeah. so, for example, if the child, if they want to play the violin, you know, thinking about, well, I have no idea how to play the violin. Like, what is it that you like about this? Like, show me how to do that. Like, show me, like, what if you could teach me something about this? Um, you know, so actually trying to see the new thing as an opportunity for you to learn also and to connect. Because um, kids actually do feel like they just light up so much when they're doing a thing that they really enjoy. So to kind of see that as, well, that's another opportunity. It doesn't necessarily mean, okay, they might not connect about my sports, but they might connect about something totally different and that might be fun for both of us. So yeah, I think it's a total process, but I think it's really helpful to try. And you know what? I was really reluctant to have any interest in games, gaming, and my son was so into different games and I was just like, no, shut down the whole thing. But then one day I sat down and watched him play, it was Mario Kart. And I was like, wow, there's aspects of it that I think are pretty cool. And then he did Minecraft for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then he switched to uh, board games, uh, D&D. And I found like, okay, I'm not the person that is going to be in these games like my husband. But there were things I could relate to him about and go, wow, that's really cool that you were able to do this. That's so funny because actually that's that's funny. I just had that conversation actually with my son who's five and he was telling me he just found, I guess, a friend. He went to a friend's house and they were playing Super Mario Brothers and he's never really played video games, but he loves video games. He just is like anything to deal with the computer and gaming. And it was funny because like I don't, you know, I remember playing as a child and I sort of said to him just casually, oh yeah, I think I remember there's some mushrooms and there's some something (laughs) underground. Like, can you tell me about that? Like, I just had these vague memories. And he just like went on for 20 minutes. Like, oh my gosh, there's these mushrooms and you climb underground and there's dragons and this and that, you know, and he was so excited. It was so cute to see. And just just from like this very brief conversation and kind of a a little prompt, I think you can see how much kids want to explain their worlds that they're fascinated by. So I really do think it's worth... um, starting with kids' passions when you can. Yeah. And and by the way, that was an eye opener for me. Like, don't just close your mind, you know, to 
the whole thing. And you're right. He was so excited. I cared. Even now, he's really into world history and it's not my thing. But when I sit there, Rebecca, and I, first of all, I was surprised how much I learned and listened to him. And he's 19. <laughs> he, you should see he lights up. He lights mm-hmm. up, you know, because he's able to teach something to me. Exactly. And I think that's what's so fun is when you can see kind of that joy and surprise in your child's face. It's almost like it doesn't even matter the subject. It's just, you know, the fact that you're able to have that connection when you're able to have your child kind of explore what they love and see that you care about it. Um, I feel like almost the content is a secondary, you know, it can be like video games, it could be math, you know, whatever it is. But um, just to have that connection, I think is so powerful. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was good for me to say, okay, I don't have to be like really into it to sit there and be interested in it. And, mm-hmm. I, and I always end up finding something I enjoy. All right, we're going to switch gears here. We're going to go a little bit to the parents so they don't get so mad like, hey. All right, this is a good one though. So this mom, she's, her, she has a two-year-old, new mom, and first kid. And the father, the dad, whenever they're going to, do any kind of reprimanding or timeout, <laughs> she said, he sits and explains it to the kid like he's 40. Like why they're <laughs> going to do, like why it's important. You can't be jumping up in there. You can't be putting your hand aside. And she sits, he says, no, no, no. He doesn't get all the words, but he'll like that I'm explaining it to her. So she wants to know. I'm all about communication, but should I be like him? explaining in length why my two-year-old shouldn't be doing something? So, no. I mean, I do think that explanations, if they're brief, can be really helpful. So I do think kids like to know why. Um, But I think also we have to think about the language and the comprehension of a child. Um, And so, for (laughs) example, you know, if, if a child's hitting, you know, it's very simple to talk. Even you can think about empathizing or showing empathy. Like, we don't hit. Why don't we hit? Because, you know, hitting hurts other people. And like, let's think about how do you feel when you're hit? You know, something very short, but just saying to the point, like, it hurts you when you're hit. It hurts other people when they're hit. That's why we don't hit. (laughs) Um, And so just this very brief explanation, you know, we don't want to do, I think it was long abstract thing. Kids are just tuning it out. Um, So to really just match the child's language stage and cognitive stage to your language, I think is really important, <laughs> especially when something's not going well. <laughs> I could just see the kid going, so just tell me how many minutes do I have to be in Exactly. Yeah. I just, I, it's sort of like, well, I just need to know like what, what's the consequence, what's happening here. And yeah, the language doesn't always help having more of it. <laughs> okay. Another new parent. Does timeout work? They've heard pros and cons. Um, so I actually think that if for the time out situation, typically it's the parent that should take a time out um, and <laughs> take a break from the situation and then come back when you're able to see it as a moment to teach a child something. Um, I think sometimes kids do need a moment to calm and regroup themselves I think sometimes things can get, you know, overwhelming for a child and they can act out in part because of it's overwhelmed. But I don't think time out in itself um, helps kids build any skills or any connections with anyone else. So it tends to just make them feel isolated and bad, but without any other skills to do better the next time. 
So Uh, what would you do? So I would, for example, if things are getting heated, I would take a quick break for myself to kind of re-regulate. Maybe for the child to say, okay, I want, let's find a quiet place where you can sit and just breathe for a minute. And then let's actually figure out how you can learn, you know, let's teach something, whatever the thing is, let's figure out how we can do this better next time and actually talk Ah. together about what are the strategies to help this not happen in the future. So maybe it's, you know, do we need a fidget toy because you can't sit for this long without, you know, acting crazy? Or do we need, you know, another thing like a breathing ball for you to start to, you know, calm down a little bit so we don't scream as much if you lose during a game? You know, let's actually think about what would help improve this for the next time. I think rather than just a timeout, which ends with nobody really learning anything and just a sense of, you know, we failed, you failed, and we're all upset now. Oh, Rebecca, you're putting a lot of responsibility on the parents. I like it. I like it. All right. This is a big one, but I have to ask it. Do you believe there's ever a time to hit your child? Absolutely not. No. I'm going to come down 100% on that one. No, Uh, I don't think... There's any role in parenting or caregiving or teaching for physical violence, basically. And I think we know this from the research. We know this from um, the social emotional learning. Um, and we even know this from children imitating. Um, if you think about children learning from the models that they see and hear and witness, um, you may be teaching a child something, but most likely you're teaching them that the person in power can you know, control physically the person who is less in power. And I don't think that's a lesson that we really need to be teaching kids. Um, So, you know, that's really much more of a fear-based parenting style where you, you know, want your child to be scared of you or you want your child, you think that respect involves potentially fear. For Mm -hmm. me, respect involves understanding that there is a power relationship, but doing it out of love. And so I, for me, hitting violence is really showing kids that you're not able to use your words. You need to use your hands or other things. <laughs> yeah, and um, yeah. and what I would like to teach is that whatever the problem is, we can always use our words. We don't need to use anything else. So um, I love that. Yeah. I love I, that. So I would absolutely say no on the hitting. <laughs> when would you or would you punish a kid? And if so, what are some options and how? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, I definitely think rather than quote unquote punish, I think more in terms of consequences. So Ooh, and, I like that. Um, and especially a natural consequence. So I always think about, well, what happened and what could be a consequence that's related to what happened? So, for example, um, sometimes, you know, parents will say, well, this child, you know, hit this other child in the playground. And so I'm saying, OK, now you know, I'm going to take away TV for a week or something like that. And that really doesn't have any relation. One thing doesn't have any relationship to the other thing <laughs> because, you know, TV and watching TV, it's a, it's a nice thing, but it doesn't relate at all to the thing that happened. Okay. Um, so for example, you could instead say, okay, you hit this other child. We have to leave the playground right now. Um, and I need to make sure that you're not going, you know, you don't hit for another day we can't go back to the playground until I make sure that you're not hitting again. Um, something like that. Um, oh, so then that's actually it. related. So a child makes the connection, like hitting, playground, leaving the playground, not going yeah. back until I don't hit. Versus hitting TV, 
those two things don't have much relationship to each other. So the child doesn't get to learn as much from that. What about if they hit their brother or sister in the home? Mm -hmm. Yes. I mean, I think in that case, um, I definitely think sort of the warning, no hitting, separating, learning to apologize, um, and then actually thinking about some sort of natural consequence, maybe something they were looking forward to doing later that day, you know, or something like that, if it continues. Um, Obviously saying that we can't enjoy each other's company. We can't do fun things together if you're injuring each other. Um, So if there was something you wanted to do that was fun for all of us, we're not going to be able to do that um, if the hitting continues. So kind of seeing like this this is our, our positive family life. It can't be that way. You can't do the fun things you want to do if you're going to do that. Um, So kind of connecting it that way. All right, let's take it a little bit older. Your kid breaks curfew and they're like junior in high school. Yeah, I mean, I think it all depends on your family style and what you've kind of set up. But for me, I really like to emphasize first, just really talking to the child about the foundation of trust. Um, and, you know, talking about mm. how the fact that you you wanted to trust your child, you typically do trust your child, and you're really disappointed because this is kind of showing you or suggesting that you can't trust your child. Um, so I think for the first infraction in that way, I would really talk about that and then ask your child, gotcha. you know, how else could I, could I learn how to trust you? How could you show me that I can trust you? Um, and actually put it on your child to come up with something. <laughs> I love that. I love that. These, you know, some of it, it, when you're saying it, it's like, it makes so much sense. But I think for a lot of us, we've, you know, watched what our parent style was. And sometimes Mm -hmm. we don't even know why we're, you know, we're just taking it on. Exactly. Yeah. And that's so common. I think that we just do, we kind of, without thinking, just kind of do whatever we've seen. Um, happening. And yep. so I think that's especially with these like consequences not relating to anything. I've seen a lot of that. And I think that's yeah. partially just because we'd say like, oh, I'm just going to, you did something I don't like, I'm going to do something you don't like. You know? yeah. Um, yeah. But without actually thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah. Which is great that there's resources, you know, such as the art of talking with your children. <laughs> so you can look at it and, you know, somebody said, oh, I feel like, I'm not a great parent if I don't know this already. I'm like, really? Would you feel that No, of course not. Job? Yes, yeah. <laughs> I think it's actually, you know, a lot of times we don't think about these things. And that's actually what led me on the journey to writing my book is that I realized I wasn't being as intentional as I wanted to be. Um, so I think it's a totally common phenomenon. Yeah. All right. I want to get this in because I haven't seen this tip. Find creative ways of writing each other notes. I need to know more, Rebecca. <laughs> Yeah, so I've actually um, been thinking about this and done this in my own life as well, um, because sometimes kids will say, or parents will say, especially like, I don't know how to talk to my kid about this certain thing, or like, my child seems worried about something, but every time I bring it up, they don't want to talk about it. You know, they shut down, they feel like, oh, it's nothing. Um, and so they, the question is kind of, well, how do I break that shutdown spiral? And one thing I found really effective, actually, is sometimes either leaving a note for a child or saying to the child, you know, well, if you if you want to talk about it, but you don't feel comfortable, you can leave me a note about what it is. You can write me a draw me a picture, even if it's a young child. Um, And that and that can actually just start the conversation. Um, So you can say just like just leave me a note and just 
you know, I'm not going to be mad. I'm not going to, if you really aren't going to be mad. Um, and <laughs> you, know, you have to actually follow through on that. Um, but even something like, you know, oh, you know, I've been having this fight with my friend. Like you can, but you don't know what it is. You know, why don't you write down a little bit about what happened? You could leave it for me and you can leave for school and I'll read it some other time. You won't even have to be there, you know? And sometimes that invitation just to say, leave it, I'll read it later. It can allow kids to feel comfortable um, talking about things that they might mm. not have actually told you. Yeah, I like that. I like that. You know, I have a question, Rebecca, off, off this topic. How were your parents growing up? Did they, do you feel like they did a lot of these things you talk about in your book? Yeah, I mean, definitely. I think there was a range, but um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, they did some of these things and some of these things I've learned over time. So it's all been kind of um, a journey from my childhood and then also from things that I realized as a young mom myself um, yeah. learning. So it kind of, um, I would say both things kind of came together. By the way, I love this tip that you say about do brief check-ins, like don't make it a long drawn out thing, just brief check-ins with your kid throughout the day. Yeah. And so I think that's partly what I emphasize, especially in my book, is to feel like you don't have to say, I'm going to sit down and have these long conversations with my child, especially if you don't feel like you have time. Even taking like yeah. two minutes or five minutes and just sitting and saying like, let's have a moment together where we really talk about, um, you know, what's on our minds, what the day was, that kind of thing. It goes a long way um, for a lot of kids to building that connection. Rebecca, this has been great. I loved having you on and I love changing it up and asking a lot of questions from the kids. I think the parents are going to learn a lot from this and the kids will be grateful. No, that's awesome. I love those questions from the kids. Thank you so much. <laughs> That will be grateful. So before we go, though, tell us how we can find you and get your book. Definitely. Yeah. So I have a website, which is just www.rebeccarowland.com, um, two C's and two L's. And you can also find my book on HarperCollins, the publisher, or on Amazon or in many other bookstores. Uh, I also have a newsletter you can sign up, which is a free weekly newsletter. Um, so you can just sign up on my website as well. Cool. And you're back in school, right? You're exactly. Yeah, just back to teaching. I just started again. So uh, yeah, it should be a fun semester. All right. Well, we wish you a lot of luck and happy healing. Thank you. And my let's keep it real people, come on. You're going to want to share this with everyone, even those who aren't parents. We all talk to children or even myself. I'm sitting here thinking, forget kids. It made me think about things of just communicating with other adults and taking, you know, interest in what they do. So spread it, share it, like it, rate it. Rebecca and I will both really appreciate it. And until next time, you know what I'm going to say. Toodles. Thanks for listening. Be sure to share and subscribe if you enjoyed the show. And remember, keep spreading the positive.